Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles and open to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, you don't have one, there's one sitting uh, in the seat in front of you. It's a black hardbound book. You can take that out. We're on page 980 this morning, Philippians chapter 1. This is our third week in our sermon series through the book of Philippians that we've entitled To Live is Christ. I've challenged you each week with spending time outside of Sunday morning, delving into better understanding, even studying on your own the book of Philippians. It's a short book, only four chapters. You could very easily read it in one sitting. I've challenged you to read it over the course of the week. And I would say to you, uh, as we say with every sermon series, you're going to get out what you put into it. Okay, Sunday mornings are great. You can learn from the sermon, but I would encourage you, allow this to really be the beginning for you. Right? This isn't all. You should kind of come Sunday morning and learn and understand. And then throughout the week, as you read it on your own and delve into it and study it more, the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will really encourage you. So I want to ask you a question this morning before we take a look at the text. I want to challenge you with this thought. It's a very simple question, but it may be hard to answer. It's this. What are you living for? What are you living for? If you could kind of remove everything else and, and, and whittle everything down, remove all the distractions, what are you living for? Are you living for your family? Are you living for work? Maybe you're uh, kind of at the end of your career and you're living for retirement or for fame or personal glory or whatever the case may be. What are you living for, right? We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning, but I want to draw your attention to one verse first because it's foundational for what we're going to say this morning and really for everything that Paul writes. is Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Here's how Paul answers the question, what are you living for? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, everything Paul's going to write in this chapter Everything that Paul's going to write in this book, everything Paul's going to write really throughout the New Testament, everything Paul did points to this idea. It's the theme of his life. It's the theme of his writing. It should be the theme of our lives as well. And so as you think about that question a little bit more and you answer, what are you living for? For the Christian, it should be Christ. Right? Jesus should define everything about us. Now, Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain. And as we kind of walk through these verses this morning, I want you to understand he's going to give us some clues and help us better understand what it really means to live for Christ. And so we're going to begin this morning in verse 12, Philippians 1, verse 12. We kind of talked about this last week. We're going to do a little bit of last week to kind of catch up and then begin to look at some new scripture this morning. So beginning in verse 12, the words of Paul to the church at Philippi. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has readily served to advance the gospel. Remember, Paul's been placed in prison. He's writing now from a prison cell. 
so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And let's stop there just for a few minutes. Let's draw some truth out and let's figure out how we live for Christ. What are the things we ought to be doing in our lives on a regular basis to live for Christ? Now, Paul talks about a lot of things in this text. He gives us a lot of ideas. We're going to draw some of this truth this morning and figure out how to apply it to our lives. In order to live for Christ, number one, we take joy in proclaiming Christ. If you're going to live for Jesus, one of the things you ought to be doing is finding joy in proclaiming Christ. Now, remember, Paul is in prison, right? And we talked about this last week, how we might respond. I think about how I might respond if I knew that I was going to prison for Christ, if I knew I was going to be put in jail. I'm not sure I'd be quite as happy as Paul is. I'm not sure I'd have the same attitude he has. But we see Paul do something very interesting when he thinks about his incarceration in verse 14. He says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Right? Because of Paul's faithfulness, because of what has happened to Paul, other people are becoming bold in their faith. And we talked last week about the significance and the importance of being bold for our faith and how that will affect other people. Then I want you to notice what Paul says in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Right? To live for Christ means that we take joy in proclaiming Christ. Now let's ask another question. I'm not going to go around the room and ask you to answer this question, so just relax. But if I were to ask you, how often are you proclaiming Christ? How often are you telling people about Jesus? How often are you sharing your faith? I wonder what the response would be. Well, Lifeway's kind of done that. They've done some research, and I'd like you to see these numbers up on the screen. I think it's very interesting to help us understand what's going on in the world today. According to Lifeway, 55% of those who attend church at least once a month say they've not shared with someone how to become a Christian in the past six months. 55% have not shared their faith in the last six months. Now, I'm not going to ask you to answer or raise your hand, but I just wonder how many of us in the last six months have shared our faith. And when I say share our faith, I don't just mean that you told somebody you went to church or maybe even invited them to church. Those are good things. But when's the last time you had an actual conversation with a non-believer about your faith and you clearly explained to them 
what it meant to be a believer. Go to the next stat. According to Lifeway Research, only 10% of churchgoers have had at least one evangelistic conversation a month, right? Only 10%. So we could say very clearly that very few people are sharing their faith on a regular basis. Now, if you were to look at other stats, this is across all denominations, by the way. Across all denominations, what we see generally is that church attendance is declining, salvations are declining, baptisms are declining. And so we ask the question, are these things declining because God has stopped working? Of course not, right? The Lord has not stopped working. The Lord is always at work. The problem is the vast majority of Christians are not sharing their faith on a regular basis. Paul says, listen, if we're going to live for Christ, part of what we ought to be doing is sharing Christ and rejoicing, not only when we share Christ, but when people come to faith in Christ. We we rejoice about a lot of things, don't we? I just finished reading a great book called Boys in the Boat. And it's a story about these Olympic rowers in the 1936 Olympics. Eight men on this really skinny little boat. They're about two feet wide, about 60 feet long. Eight of them in the boat, and they still do it in the Olympics. 1936, if you know your history, was right before World War II. It was in Berlin, the Olympics. And Hitler was kind of preparing the world to put on airs for everybody so they would think Germany was really nice. And so what happens is all these people go... All right, everybody back here, the door open, everybody's good. The door closed, everybody's good. <laughs> He's just looking for the bathroom. I look for it sometimes. I've gone out the door a lot of times, no big deal. 90 heads turn that way. All right, here we go, back here. Y'all with me? 1936 Olympics, right, in Berlin. We send these eight guys. The story's really compelling because it talks about them being raised from nothing and compared to that, what's going on in Germany. But it's a very interesting story. These guys win out of obscurity. They probably never should have won, really never should have even been there in that position. But when they win, that's, this is back before internet, by the way, and really TV. And so these people in America are listening to this broadcast on, on radios, they're sitting around their tables out in the great Northwest and all through America. These guys were from Washington State, the University of Washington. And they're listening to this victory and people all across the country rejoiced. And I thought it was interesting because when the Olympics come around, I don't, I don't know if you're like this, but I cheer for the Americans regardless of the sport, right? So I'm the biggest figure skating fan in the world during the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Never seen it before in my life. I have no idea how they score it. Don't know any of that. But I cheer for the Americans, right? And when that happens and they win, what do we do? We rejoice, right? We celebrate. We rejoice sports victories. We rejoice big events in our lives. We rejoice when children are born and we get a good job or a pay raise or something interesting happens at work or at school. There are all sorts of moments when we rejoice, and those are good things. How often are we rejoicing when we share our faith? I think it's a fair question. Paul says, listen, if you're going to really live for Christ, part of what you have to be doing is sharing your faith and then rejoicing when you do it. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 14, listen to what Paul says. He's speaking about people that are not yet believers. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? That's a great question. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good 
news. Paul says, listen, people are not getting saved because people aren't sharing their faith. And how beautiful are the feet of those that share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you say, listen, I get it. I'm not really good with sharing my faith. I, I, I probably fall into that 55% category. I hadn't shared it in the last six months. Some of you say, I've maybe never really shared my faith. I know it's important. I'm not quite sure what to do about it. Here are a couple of just simple things you can do to be more evangelistic. The first one is pray for opportunities. I promise you, I promise you, if you ask the Lord to reveal to you moments when you can share your faith, he will. Now, you better be ready because when he does, you're going to have to do something about it, okay? But you need to pray for opportunities. You need to be intentional with your opportunities. Look for ways to share your faith, right? You're around non-believers all the time, whether at work or at the grocery store or the ball field or whatever the case may be. There are opportunities for you to share your faith. You've got to look for those opportunities and then be intentional. So as you pray about opportunities, you're more aware of opportunities. Those things pop up as chances now for you to share your faith. Build real relationships with people that aren't believers. Right? Sometimes we, we kind of get in this world, we're in this insulated world of the church, and sometimes a lot of what we do is with church people, and that's good. But how many relationships outside of the church do we have? How many times do we have the opportunity to share our faith with people that aren't followers of Jesus Christ, right? There are lots of things we can be doing, trusting the Lord, following the Lord, but we need to be sharing our faith. We need to rejoice when we do it, and the Lord will be honored. Now let's go back to the verses. Look at verse 18 again. What then, Paul says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. There it is. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right? So we should be sharing our faith, finding joy in that. Here's truth number two. We should allow Christ to rule in our lives, right? If you're gonna live for Christ, you've gotta allow Jesus to rule in your life. Let me just go ahead and clue you in. This isn't just a part of your life. This is every part of your life, right? We can't just give him control over Sunday morning at 11 and Wednesday night at six. We gotta give him control of everything. Everything in our lives should fall under the control and rule of Christ. I want you to notice what Paul does here. Paul's committed, right? Paul has kind of a, a singular focus. I want you to pull verse 20 up because I want you to see it. I want you to see how committed Paul is to this. Pull verse 20 up if you would, please. Paul says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Watch, whether by life or by death. You see that? Paul says, listen, I've just decided that Christ is going to rule in my life, whether it means life or death. I wonder how many of us have ever kind of come to that place where we've just said, listen, Lord, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to trust you in all things. I'm going to give you everything in my life, whether it means life or death, I'm willing to follow you. One writer said it like this. 
Paul is saying that everything he has tried to be, everything he is, and everything he looked forward to being pointed to Christ. From the time of Paul's conversion until his martyrdom, every move he made was aimed at advancing the knowledge, the gospel, and the church of Christ. Paul's singular aim was to bring glory to Jesus. Right? Our singular aim has to be focused on Christ. You know, you, you kind of listen to, to leaders and, and people that have been successful, and oftentimes they'll say something like this. Listen, if you want to be successful in life, you pick one thing, work really hard on that one thing, and keep pushing towards that one thing, one day you'll be successful in it. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book several years ago, and in the book he makes this argument that you should spend 10,000 hours before you're going to be great at anything. 10,000 hours. Imagine practicing basketball or, or golf or the guitar or teaching or whatever for 10,000 hours before you're great at it, right? Pick one thing, be great at that one thing. Paul has decided his single focus is going to be Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, he says, For I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? Great clear teaching. The problem is far too often we focused on things other than Jesus. Right? For too many people, our life is not Christ. So I spent some time just for fun Googling, right? And, and you know, memes seem to kind of rule the world now. We get all of our knowledge from memes, unfortunately, by the way, which is a really bad idea. But there's some funny ones out there. If you kind of Google life is and look at memes, here's some that came up. These are interesting. You're going to recognize the first one if you're older than the age of 35. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? We've heard that one. Life is too short to fold fitted sheets. I think that's true. It's just they wad up. They're complicated. Life is short. Smile while you still have teeth. Life is hard, and it's harder if you're stupid. Well, that might be. Life is not fair. Get used to it, right? All right we understand life is difficult, but the world says to us, listen, you need to focus on you. You need to focus on things. You need to focus on popularity. For you to live is to have everything you want. For you to live is to be rich. For you to live is to be popular, right? Far too many people live their lives away from the things of Christ. We need to be reined in here and reminded and taught from God's word that to live is Christ. And so if you got other passions that go ahead of the Lord, you're missing the truth of what Paul teaches here. Now let's kind of wind this thing down. Look at verse 20 again. It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, right? Complete focus on the things of the Lord. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, and Paul's gonna kind of argue a little bit with himself here. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me 
you may have ample calls to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Here's truth number three. We honor Christ in all things. Right? We share our faith. We rejoice. We let him rule over us. And then we honor him in all the things that we do, whether by life or by death. Now, some translations use different words here. Some use the word exalted. Some use the word magnified. But Paul wants us to understand that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul says, listen, I'm going to honor Christ. I'm going to exalt Christ. I'm going to magnify Christ in everything I do. And so as we kind of take stock of our lives, remember one, one thing we should always do when we study scripture is compare our lives to the truth of God's word. Right? Are we living up to these standards? Are we following the teachings of Christ? And so we ask ourselves the question, are we honoring Christ in all things? Are you honoring Christ in the way you speak to people at work? Are you honoring Christ the way you speak to your spouse? Are you honoring Christ in your thoughts? Are you honoring Christ with your finances? Are you honoring Christ with your free time? Are you honoring Christ at sporting events? Right, The list goes on and on and on. Are we honoring Christ in all things? Are we praising him, following him, honoring him? To live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, I've, I've had the great privilege over the last many years of spending time with missionaries overseas. It's, it's one of the great joys of my life to get to know people in other parts of the world and to see their love for Christ. And, and one of the people I've had the pleasure of getting to know is one of our partners in Guatemala named Luis. Luis is a, 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 a great man of God who I first met many years ago before Joe and Megan Fry were about to go on the mission field and they were looking kind of for a place of ministry and I had the opportunity to go down to Guatemala and kind of scout some things out for them and I met Luis. Luis was the associate pastor of the little church in Santa Lucia, a very unassuming kind of guy. When I first met him, I didn't think much about him. He didn't speak. I didn't have a conversation with him. But the more I got to talking with him over that trip and the longer we had a chance to have a conversation, I gained a great respect for Luis. Luis was just a man of God. Luis was a guy who just kind of decided he was going to follow Christ. And so for him, that meant uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of mission trips to other parts of Central and South America. And Luis sometimes would take, he would tell us a story, his wife would pack him a little bag of food. He would take about four American dollars, four he would ride a bus for about three days as far as he could go down into South America. Then he would get on a boat and riding that boat for two or three more days until he had an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, a man that loved the Lord. Sadly, over the last several weeks with COVID kind of picking up in his area, he contracted COVID, and about a week ago, Luis passed away. A man of God, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. He would sometimes watch this online broadcast. Luis didn't speak any English, but he loved just to watch our services. And I think about Luis... And I think about a man who, in the context of where he lived in Guatemala, they had very little, very little opportunity, very little chance, the kind of chances that we take for granted the people of Guatemala don't have. And yet this man, in life and now in death, has served the Lord faithfully. What are we doing with all we've been given? <laughs> 
What are we being, what are we doing with all we've been given? You know, I've said this uh, probably a hundred times. I'll probably say it a thousand more. When you're born in the United States of America, you've already won the lottery. The opportunities we have, the chances for advancement, all the things the Lord has given us, what are we doing with our faith? What are we doing with our time and, and our money and our desires? We see people like Paul teaching us to find total obedience to the Lord. To live is Christ. Right, the beautiful thing about the Lord is he's got this great plan for you. He's got a great plan to accomplish wonderful things in this world if you'll just trust him, if you'll just follow him, if you'll just live for him. What are you going to live for.